0: All right. So again, that had nothing to do with where we're going this morning. But I I want to talk this morning about sacrificial worship, growing in serving one another. And the premise being that our growth in serving one another here in the local body is an act of spiritual worship and it's a means by which we actually walk out this process of renewal, we walk out this process of transformation in our lives, and we do it with one another. And it was actually, I was, I was reading through Romans 12, and um, I, I love looking for some of the um, connections in the grammar, I'll call it, not to get sort of all... Um, theological on you, but there's there's always there's connections in the text, and as he began to see what was going on in the verses and how Paul had connected it, it was like, wow! Like there's something really significant here for us, and that there's the connections that became clear that became clear to me were that the renewal of our minds, where it talks about that in, in Romans 12, and the transformation that goes alongside that in our lives. It's clearly connected to serving one another in the church. And and so this this obviously has very practical implications for us. If that's true, that our renewal and the transformation that is meant to happen in us is connected to serving one another, then it can't just remain theoretical or spiritual in nature. right? And, and, And what I mean by that is in the ways that ideas or principles in life can be accepted, and we, we, we say that, but they never end up touching our actual ordinary everyday lives in which we live. They just never really intersect. And so you think about it this way. If we get into an airplane, if you get into an airplane and you want to travel to some destination and you're excited to get to that destination, I assume we usually are when we get into an airplane, in order for that to happen, there actually has to be a physical landing, Right? That plane has to actually land for you to get to that destination. That's always, for me, that's always the, the last part of, of, a, of a ride in an airplane. It's always that last, like, I hope everything with, like, touching down goes okay. Like, because if that landing gear doesn't come out properly, we're in trouble. But you've got to land the plane to get there. And if the landing never happens... I mean, think about this, then that intent of that journey, it doesn't matter what the intent of that journey was. if that plane never lands, that intent never becomes reality. And so, in the same way, we have to put action into intent when it comes to using our gifts to serve one another in the church. We we actually have to be intentional in putting action to the intent. And so, as, as we work our way here through a few verses in Romans 12, uh, this morning, I, wanna, I want us to see the connection between our spiritual worship and the act of serving in the church. And let's, let's consider as we go through this. I'd like to invite us to consider where the Lord is inviting us for our intent to move into action. And so we're, we're and we're gonna we're gonna make this practical. We're gonna make this really practical. At the end of the service, we're gonna have an opportunity to Serve in specific ways in the church, to actually serve and put our names down and say, I, wanna, I want to serve others in the church. And so let's be listening to what the Lord has to say to us in these next few minutes as we go through this. And let's be allowing the Lord to speak to us and, and, and have our, our minds open to what He has for us. If you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn with me to Romans 12, verse 1. I'm going to read just the first verse and then stop. And say a little bit about that. So Romans 12.1. It'll be on the screen too behind me. And Paul says there, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, and I'll add sisters, because in the Greek you can do that, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. My first point that I, I want to draw out of this verse is that surrender is unavoidable. We, we sang about surrender this morning. We, there, there, was, you know, there, was, there was a part there in, in our worship where we were, we were wanting to surrender ourselves and having that opportunity. But surrender is unavoidable, but that comes with a big if, The if is, if we're going to follow the way of Jesus, then surrender is unavoidable. We don't have to surrender, but following the way of Jesus, we're not getting out of this. And, you know, we hear the word worship, or even spiritual worship, and that word worship, it's thrown around so much in our culture and in in so many different ways, but likely our minds gravitate to this idea of a worship service where we come this morning, and we sing, and we engage with the Lord through music, right? Most of us, if you hear worship, that's probably where we go to. That's what we think of, and that's biblical. I mean, we want to come, and we love to engage. It's a means by which we engage our minds. We engage our hearts on the greatness of God, and it reminds us of truth. We're singing truth into ourselves, and it invites us into this place of Experiencing God's presence, and we want that too. We want we want all of that for us. We want to experience God's presence. And so this for, that form of worship defines God's people. Always will. That will always define us. And we need it in our lives. But that form of worship, it flows out of the spiritual worship of the rest of our lives. You you can't, it's not like an on-off switch. I certainly would hope we don't look at it like that where we come and we turn on the worship switch on a Sunday morning and then, you know, it, it kind of clicks off after half an hour. I mean, that this, what we're doing here this morning, it flows out of everything else that's happening in our lives. It's meant to do that. And so it's, what we're doing here is simply an expression. It's a manifestation of the spiritual worship that's meant to define every part of our lives. And And, okay, so that's one reason actually why the physical act of worship even when we don't feel like it there are sundays i come here and i know i do not feel for whatever reason as open or as engaged to want to worship as other sundays i come here and it's like i have to god i need you to help me because i just i don't it's not flowing this morning now in those those sundays i can either choose to go i'm not doing nothing or i sit down and i'm like i'm not engaging Or I go, I'm surrendering myself to God because I'm actually wanting to experience more of Him. And it's reminding, actually, ourselves of our need in that time. So, spiritual worship in our lives, it's the intentional act of surrender. It's actually presenting ourselves to God in sacrificial worship. We're we're placing ourselves before the Lord. We're bringing ourselves we're, we're not bringing an external item to the altar. There's not an altar that we're coming to and laying down some external. We're, we're bringing ourselves. It, this is the altar, actually, if you will. This, this whole place is the altar where we're laying ourselves on, and, and our lives, right? This is not just a place. Clearly, when, when Paul talks about this here, this act of offering ourselves, he, he has Old Testament imagery in his mind here and he's making this clear point we we don't offer animal sacrifices anymore the sacrificial system is done with jesus he's our once and for all sacrifice hebrews 10:10 says that and the blood of jesus has paid for any and all sin we talked about that in communion too and it's it's in believing in his death it's believing in his burial it's believing in his resurrection that that we come to receive salvation we place our hope, we place our trust in Jesus. But what Paul's saying is in response now, in response to that, we offer our entire lives as a living sacrifice. And this, this process of dying to self. This is why the, the whole water baptism is such a powerful statement. And being raised, we're being raised to new life in Jesus. And this is This is the sacrificial surrendering way of Jesus. And we're surrendering to his way. And so that's meant to intersect with our lives. You could even say that that has to intersect with our lives because it's not some spiritual truth that remains disconnected from the intricate details of our lives. The need to sacrifice yourself is connected into every part of your life as a follower of Jesus. So surrender in that way is unavoidable if we're going to we're sacrifice to live that way. And it's, it's a picture that has all sorts of real life implications for us. So many. Constantly laying ourselves on the altar, surrendering our ways to the way of Jesus. Now, in, in that verse, we actually have, we haven't talked about the motivation for living this way. And the motivation is actually found in the previous verse in Romans 11.36. And that connector there that Paul uses is therefore. So he's, he's going back and he's saying, in light of what I've just said, therefore. And so we live out Romans 12.1 in response to Romans 11.36. Where he says, for from him. So he sustains all things and through him. God empowers and enables all things. And to him are all things. So he's saying God is bringing all things into alignment. He's he's drawing up all things into Christ. There is this, what's happening right now is all things are being drawn up into Jesus. And he's saying, for from him and through him and to him are all things. Like everything is to God. To him, and then he says, to him be glory forever. And then he says, amen. Now, amen means let it be so. So Paul's saying, let that be so. So the question is, how is that so? How is that so in your life? From him, to him, through him, how is that so? And he says, it's by the act of us presenting our lives in surrender to God. And so the practical implications of this might actually present a problem for us. Because do you know that you are immersed in a hyper-individualistic culture? Like immensely hyper-individualistic. And it affects every single one of us. None of us are untouched by it. It's, so much of it is subconscious, we're, and we are, we're drawn into this. It's about me. It's for me. It's, it's, everything is about me, ultimately. So, where that might present a problem is that to move all things in our lives, all things, our decisions, our motivations, our schedules, to a place where we see God as in it and through it all, That is truly a transformational shift. Like that is a shift. When that happens in our lives, we are shifting to being completely opposed to where our culture is going. Radically opposed. We we might even, actually, you might even think, you hear that and go, you know what, I actually don't think that's possible. It is. But it is possible. It says this here, it is possible. So Romans 12.2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So, what Paul's saying there is that we will be able to test. We will be able to discern what God is speaking to us, what God is speaking to us for our lives. We will be able to discern that. That's for everyone. And so my, my second point is that transformation is the name of the game. Transformation is the thing that God wants to do in us. Which means that the the way that I read this verse is that God's plan and his intent for every single one of us, every single one of us here is transformation. Do you believe that? that for every single one of you transformation is god's will and intent for your life that it is just it is part of who you are and who you are becoming in christ now we're invited into participation with this plan we're invited it is it's not automatic and it's not without your involvement. So I think that's really important for us as Christians. This doesn't just happen because you say a prayer once and now, no no, this you're invited to say I am participating with Jesus. I'm inviting him to do this in my life. We're actively surrendering surrendering our lives in accordance with the word. So we're not to be conformed, we're rather we're to be transformed. It's that's the alternative. So if we're not seeking to be transformed to the way of Jesus, what Paul's saying is there is only one other alternative. There isn't like a whole bunch of options out there and you're picking... No, there's, there's you'll be conformed to the world or you will be transformed. There, there's, not, there's door number one and there's door number two. Which door are you going to surrender and submit and yield to? And the tense here... Suggests that it's ongoing, that that decisions have to be constantly made. You're not making, it's not way off, I made a decision 20 years ago that I wouldn't be conformed. No, no, it's ongoing, like it's all the time. Rejecting the mold of this world, that you will not be put into the mold that this world wants to put you into. No, I will be transformed, I will be different I won't be shaped by the values, the desires, the motivations of this world. I will not submit to that. That's what this is saying. The message translation says it this way, and I think it's so good. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. That's huge for right now where we are in this nation that that hits ground zero right now of Canada in so many ways. When Steve Jobs he uh, he was being interviewed uh, years ago uh, when the first iP- iPads were coming out, and uh, I mean I, I don't know if you remember when the first iPad came out. I actually bought one of the first. This is actually one of the first gens, if you can believe it. It's it's, um, and and I remember like there was such a buzz around this thing. Like this was going to transform way and it has this thing has been transformational and so the interviewer they asked steve jobs they said and it kind of seemed like a throwaway question at the end of the interview they asked him, they said so like your your kids must really love this new ipad and he said he surprisingly replied he said they actually haven't used it we limit technology at home and then when you look at actually the big tech industries and you talk to um, there's been some studies done of the, the, the people who are developing all this stuff. The amount of which they are limiting their own families with this is striking because they know what this stuff can do. Studies are showing, I watched this, this TED Talk, that in the last 10 years, the amount that we sleep and work and take care of ourselves has remained virtually unchanged. So that, that's pretty much the same, same line. But in that 10 years, the amount that we use um, our free time. And that's, that's the time that when people look back on their lives, they go, this is where memories are made. This is where they remember. This is what you... At funerals, like I was at one yesterday, and this is the stuff that you're talking about. This is the, that, it's in that time, besides work, besides sleep, besides eating, and all that rest of the stuff, it's that white space. And the amount of which 10 years ago the amount of which that time was taken up by screens was fairly minuscule. Now, 80 to 85% of that time in people, they're saying is taken up by screens. We are addicted to screens. And, and a massive shift has actually happened with the removal in our culture of what they call the stopping cues. Anyone ever heard of this, stopping cues? It's really fascinating. So we used to sit down at a table, open up a newspaper, and your stopping cue would be, you come to the end of the newspaper. Okay, it's time to put that away, and time to do something else, right? You have your morning paper. Or you would have a stopping cue of a book. You would come to the end of a chapter. Okay, now you decide, am I gonna go on or am I going to do something else? TV shows, you would sit down to watch a show, the show would end, you have to wait a week for the new episode. And you get up and you do something else. Well, now guess what happens? We all know. We binge watch. People binge watch and they joke about it and they think it's funny. And they binge watch for hours. And what's, what these stopping cues, what they've been replaced by is media on our devices that is endless. So, like, if I open... I didn't think I was going to do this. But if you open up Twitter on my phone and I'm on Twitter and... I can just keep scrolling, and it's bottomless. It is literally bottomless, and you do this on almost every app. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, news, it doesn't matter. It's bottomless, and there is no stopping cues anymore. And so people, we are, and, and I'm guilty of this, like, where I have to, like, God's speaking about, put down your phone, Paul, right? Put down the screen, this, what, what's scary, and what, where we need to take notice, this is actually changing the function of our brains, it's changing the function of our, of our youth. Do you know, what, you know what led to the death of the high school dance, they're saying? Phones. Phones. If they do have dances, I'm not, I'm not making it, like, I'm not saying I support high school dances, but the point is, they said, if, if you find one anymore, you know where everyone is in the corner texting on their phone. There is conforming that is happening. Hyper-individualism as a result. So much of it is about me, 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 me. It's spiritual disciplines that were normative in the last number of generations of Christians, just normative spiritualism, reading your Bible every day, prayer, Those, they're, they're, they're saying they're virtually gone now in our Christian culture. Like, I I cannot anymore as a pastor expect that that is normative now in your life. Normative spiritual disciplines that shaped Christians for generations. So there's, there's shaping that is happening. But we are to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. So this is as relevant as it's ever been. That word transformation, that's where we get our word metamorphosis from. It's also the same word there used. It's only used twice in the New Testament, Romans 12, and when Jesus is transfigured, when he's transformed before the disciples, before Peter and John. And, and it's interesting because when they use that word for Jesus, it's a complete change came over him. That, that's, that's what that word, so, so that's the word being applied to us. That God's saying, this is what's going to happen to you. So being transformed, it's an ongoing process, but the intent is it's clear we're meant to become more and more and more and more like Jesus. That our thinking patterns and the way that we process truth and interact with the world is shaped by the way of Jesus above all things. Do you know how countercultural that is? That is God's heart for us. That gets me really, really excited, actually. Because when I, I, when I hear that, I go, I, there's something intrinsically deep down inside me that goes, I want the way of Jesus. Like, I know that is where hope is found. In fact, the, the text says that it is the renewal of our minds that enables us to comprehend and discern the will of God for our lives. That's really important. And perhaps even a controversial point. That, that What I mean by that is that this isn't automatic. It's not a given that God's will just happens in your life. That there is a responsibility on us. That it's dependent on our willingness to lay down our lives in sacrificial worship. That we, we give room, we surrender, and we welcome God to move in our lives. And that involves us. And so, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, the verse that we know so well. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. That has to be understood in light of this, that we surrender ourselves to God. And this this work of regeneration that Paul's talking about, it, it happens by the Word of God, and it happens as the Spirit of God is at work in our lives. Those are the two things it's the Word of God and the Spirit of God that will do this in our lives. It will change you as we feed on the Word, as we seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we need the ongoing work of God. We need His renewal in our lives so badly. So I, I need His ongoing renewal work in my life so badly. Like If I don't have that, I, I have nothing. If I don't have the renewal of the Holy Spirit happening in me, and so the surrender of our lives to God in sacrificial worship here, it's connected to the renewing of our minds. That's what Paul's saying. This is an active decision of surrender that affects our minds, affects our perspectives, our opinions, all of that. There, there's a change that's coming over my mind and happening to us. And seeking the will of God for our lives is understood as we, as we put our lives on the altar. We, we surrender ourselves to the purposes of God. So the danger, and this is one that we've gotta be aware of, is that we all, we all feel the temptation to the progressive Western world because we are immersed in it. We, we are in this culture. We feel the inclination to question the need to surrender our lives while associating our selfish desires and our motivations with the will of God. Does that make sense? Like we actually, we say, oh yeah, I'm surrendering to God. Really what we're doing is we're just allowing our selfish motivations to just run. And, and we're, it's like we're playing games because we feel the temptation to just bow to this society. And the point is we cannot separate surrender from renewal. Those two are intricately connected. okay. And so this is where it intertwines in our lives with the life of the church and our need for serving one another. And it's seen in verse three here, and I'm gonna gonna read verses three to eight. But there's one word there that connects verses three to eight with what Paul's saying, and that is the word for. For, by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. I'll just, I think that you can spend years thinking through the theological implications of just that, that we are we are part of the body of Christ, but individually members, one of another. That's, that's deep. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness, with a glad heart. So this, this brings me to my final point that I want to look at this morning, and that is that serving others is sacrificial worship. That, that word, therefore, at the beginning of verse 3, it reveals that what, what follows in the verses that we just read are supported by the previous thought, or simply put, that serving one another is a spiritual act of sacrificial worship. We're serving one another. And so therefore, serving one another is also part of the process by which we're we're surrendering to God and we're being transformed by the renewal of our mind that's taking place. That us serving one another has an intricate place in that. And so Paul's saying a renewed mind must be active in evaluating ourselves. We're, We're active in evaluating our identity. We're active in identifying our gifts. Verse three, it's, it's all about actually self-assessment and self-awareness. Where am I in reality and where am I not in reality? Where, where do I need a dose of reality in my judgment of my life and how I'm doing? That's what he's saying. Think sober-mindedly about where you're at. What, what these verses do is they, they challenge any inclination to a church culture where we just show up we occupy a spot maybe we have a couple conversations and then we leave and that's that's the extent of it that 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 is consumer church culture it's not affirmed in scripture and so that that challenges so many of our cultural norms like like i say that and i even i feel like I don't know if I want to say that. But that, that challenge is like where our culture has gone. We, we compartmentalize church to an event, to a meeting, or, or at worst, an obligation. And, and Paul's saying we're called to serve one another. We're called to that. And verse 4 reveals that we, we won't all have the same function, but we're all called to function. And that's really Interesting. Okay, so this next statement I'm going to make might might seem to contradict what I just said. I'm going to try to explain. But if you show up on a Sunday morning here, and that's all you do, you show up on a Sunday morning, and that's the extent, you are serving others. Because you're stating, actually, in that, you're stating that the body of Christ is important. You're stating that I want to be here. I want to be with God's people. I want to worship. And your presence actually, do you as this? Your presence here is an encouragement to others. Do we, do we recognize that? You being here is an encouragement to others. They see yes, there's other people that want to follow the way of Jesus. That is an encouragement. Look at, look at one another. Just take a look around. You're an encouragement to one another. Being here right now. It's a great encouragement to me. We're following the way of Jesus together. But, here's the the explanation, but, if that's the extent to which you serve the body, please hear me. You, You are missing out on how God desires to use your gifts to bless and serve others. He wants you to bless and serve others, and it is a rich blessing to you. We've all been given gifts. Verse six says that they differ. The message here again, it speaks of how, it says this, we are all fashioned into these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts of Christ's body. Every single one of us is excellently formed. There's no mistakes. There's no one who's better than someone else. There's no one who looks like, none of that. We are all marvelously functioning parts. And and here's the thing. When we serve others, we get to experience the marvelous, excellent ways that God has made us. We get to experience that. And that doesn't happen even close to the same extent when we gravitate to hyper-individualism. We miss out on so, so much of that. And so, you know, because of my, I'll, I'll call it my role and my function, you get to experience some of my gifts pretty frequently. <laughs> right? like it's part of just, and, and, I, and I hope it's a blessing. I hope that this is a blessing. But we're all meant to be giving of ourselves one to another to enrich and build up the body of Christ. How many of you are blessed when our worship team is up there leading us? Right? Like, huge blessing. When, when Chris came to me and he offered, he said, I can bring my guitar for our church camping weekend. And I was like, yeah. And he came and he led us in worship, just serving us and leading us in song in our campsite. Do you know, that was a huge blessing. Like, I get, I get to see Chris' gifts operating. It gives me an opportunity to sing and not look like a crazy fool just singing on my own. But there's so many examples Like we could just list them off of where we get to experience one another because we're serving and we get to experience one another's gifts. And Paul is, he's really clear here. We've all received gifts from God according to the grace given to us. And he's like, let let us use them. Let us use them. And it it echoes 1 Peter 4.10, I won't get into it a lot, but we just went in that in Peter where... Peter says that the grace, the gifts that we've been given, they are meant to be grace that we, we give to one another. We're stewards of God's grace to one another. So this, this activating of our gifts, this using our gifts within the body, this serving, we are giving grace. We are actually managing and dispersing God's grace to one another. Do you ever look at it like that? Like you are actually managing a little part of God's grace that's been given to you and you're managing it and you're giving it to others. It changes the perspective actually of, of why we serve. And um, you know what, what I appreciate about these verses in Romans 12 here is that they, they focus on actually maybe what we, we call the less glamorous but equally vital areas of the church the practical needs of body life that require us to sacrifice. There's there's very practical needs. It gets very practical in helping a church function. And there's there's the need for greeters welcome people into the church. There's the need for sound ministry. There's the need for computer ministry. There's the need for pre-service coffee time hosts. There's the need for children's ministry hall monitors. They're practical ways of service. They, They help the church serve and minister to people, and we need help, we need help, we help one another, so you know, verses six to eight, they're they're really immensely practical verses, when you, when you, but they're, they're somewhat general, Right? When you look at the things that Paul's listing there, service and serving and exhorts, and ex- like the one who contributes, the one who exhorts, they're, they're general. I think that's purposeful because they can apply to so many different areas of body life, so many different areas where we can serve. So, for example, you ever think about this, home groups apply here. Home groups are in these verses because when we commit to being a part of a home group, we aren't just doing for our own spiritual growth. That's a great blessing. We want to grow spiritually. That's a byproduct. But we're serving one another within that time. Do you ever look at home groups like that? You are coming to serve others. You are coming to be a blessing to others. You are coming to serve for the growth and the health of one another. That's all part of home groups. And that's really important. We, we really need that in our lives. Others need that. We need that influence and that input from others in our lives. So I want to I wrap up here. I want to I end by bringing us back to the beginning of Romans 12 again and, and so that we see this progression of what God is revealing here for us and to, to kind of encapsulate it. And that is all things are to God through God, and for his glory. All things. He's the center of all things. We're called to surrender our lives to him. And it's unavoidable if we're going to follow the way of Jesus. And our transformation, the renewal of our minds, that is the name of the game as we're following Jesus. And it's serving one another that we're walking out sacrificial worship and we're inviting God to move amongst us as we serve. That's It's practical. It's really practical. So, two courses that we've, we've been putting before the Lord in prayer, we've been talking about a little bit, um, both of which we're praying about whether or not God would have us run these as courses out of this church, um, both of which we're, we're really excited about, actually. If, if God would have us do this and God would give us enough people to volunteer, we're excited to do this, to reach people. And that is, we'd, we'd love to consider running ALPHA, out of this church, and we'd love to consider running Grief Share. I don't, you've probably, I mean, we've done Alpha and Home Groups this last year, so a lot of us are familiar with Alpha. How many of you have heard of Grief Share before? A few of us, okay. The reason for this is, again, when we talk practical, our desire is that we are reaching the community around us with the hope of Jesus. That's it. Both of those are vehicles to reach people with the hope of Jesus and to help them. And we want to be intentional in sharing the gospel and we want to pray that God would be moving in the hearts of people. We we want to see people brought into relationship with Jesus. We don't want to just see people cycling through changing churches. I mean, we want to see people coming to know Jesus who are lost. That's our heart. And so, I want to, as, as part of today, um, I want to I see who would be interested in being parts of teams for that. And maybe God's tugging on you saying, yeah, I want to I be part of that. I, wanna, I want to serve in that way to reach people. So if that's you, um, feel free to sign up in the back. We have sign-up sheets. Sign-up doesn't mean like you are absolutely rock solid, committed, like that's it, you put your name down and we are like, we're coming after you. But it does give us a sense of do we have enough people interested to run this? And do we have enough people who would be willing to say, and it is, it's, it's sacrifice. There is no, it's sacrificing our time to do this. And I, and I guess the thing that the Lord is putting before me is, Paul, is that worth it to bring people into the kingdom? And I, I, I'm, I'm challenged by that. So Chris, why don't you come up? I wanna, I wanna give here a couple minutes. Uh, Chris is really the one who feels really passionately about Grief Share and has led it several times. Um, do you wanna play the clip before or after? Play it before. before, okay, we're gonna play a clip here. Uh, a little short, little advert for Grief Share and then, and then Chris will talk about it and, uh, and we'll, we'll wrap up. Thank you. I am very thankful for people who are willing to serve and use their gifts to quarterback things, so um, that that's a, a brief snapshot of grief share. Um, we also really, really love the opportunity of alpha and potentially reaching the unsaved in our community and and there's already people that if we run alpha i'm like i'm inviting that person i'm inviting that person i'm inviting these people like i I 'm already thinking praying that through going like, god I, I really want people because I, I think that we don't enough, put before people just some of the, the actual, like, we're going to talk about Jesus. And we're going to talk about this. And there's, there's so many people around us who actually don't know. They actually don't know. I, I, was, I was invited to a party this weekend, a birthday party, and I walked over there with Jess and I said, I, I, that, was, that entire party was a mission field. People here in Landmark. Not a of room from Lambert, but it, the entire thing. And, I, and I'm going to, there's people all around us who are lost. And and I was gripped by, they need Jesus. And I want them to experience Jesus. So, there's there's sort of, there's that, there's grief share, there's Alpha, there's also the opportunity. We, we are looking for people to serve in various ministries in the church. Sounds, computer, greeting. There's all sorts of opportunities. So, um, I want to I encourage us as we end today to to stop by the back table and to ask the Lord, where, Lord, could I serve? What, what home group are you calling me to be a part of so that I can bless others by being in a home group? So let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for how your word is so practical. Thank you for in the midst of what feels like sometimes just madness in our culture that you are so faithful and you are calling us to be salt and light. You are calling us to reach others. And Jesus, we we want to serve one another. Lord, we want to be growing and being renewed as we serve one another and as we grow together. And so, Jesus, thank you for all the opportunities that you're giving to us. And Lord, I, I wanna pray that you would empower us. You'd grant us the grace that we need, Lord, to serve. Jesus, we, we love to serve your church, and we thank you for your church. Jesus, we, we lift you up this morning. We glorify and thank you that to you and through you and from you are all things, all things to you be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Be blessed as you go. Um, Yeah, please, please consider where God is calling you to serve in the church body and what he's speaking to you in that regard.